Hello and welcome to the Gentleman's Journal podcast, our fortnightly interview series all about success, modern business and the lives of entrepreneurs. I'm Joe Bulmore, the editor of Gentleman's Journal, and my guest today is Tom Molnar, the co-founder and CEO of Gales. I think it's probably fair to say that of all the brands I've encountered in my 31 long years, few have given me quite as much delight and pleasure as Gales and their wonderful baked goods. You think you know how a croissant tastes. You think you know, in fact, how a cheese and ham croissant tastes. And then you bite into one of Gales' versions of these things, or maybe their cinnamon roll or their sausage roll, and you realise just how good they can be. In a world that values crazed innovation and disruption at almost any cost, it is heartening to see how Gales have just put an emphasis and a kind of mad obsession into the way things taste and feel and look. There are now 74 Gales bakeries across London and beyond, but Tom started out with just a single bakery up in Hampstead back in 2005. And throughout that whole journey, they've never seemed to have lost sight of the thing that matters most, which is, of course, the product. So in a brilliant episode of the Gentleman's Journal podcast, and one that is very close to my heart, as you can tell, Tom reveals to us how he almost pursued a career in fish instead of bread how the company's 30-year-old sourdough starter batch is its most sacred IP, and he reveals for the first time and in perhaps the biggest scoop in Gentleman's Journal history, his five all-time favourite items on the Gales menu. Enjoy! But before we begin, I'd love to tell you very briefly about the Gentleman's Journal shop, our new men's style destination full of the independent brands that we love. You can find it at shop.thegentlemansjournal.com. That's shop.thegentlemansjournal.com. Head over there for special unique releases from a fine curation of brands and plenty of picks and pointers from people in the industry who really ought to know. I'm sure you'll find something you love. Tom, thank you so much for for joining us on the Gentleman's Journal podcast today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you even more, I suppose, for the array, the cornucopia of pastries that arrived at my front door tomorrow. I don't know if you were aware that your team was sending that over, but I've never been so thoroughly, literally butted up by a a guest before. (laughs) That's great. So I'm thoroughly well disposed to it as if I wasn't before. Kind. (laughs) All right. Very kind of you. But it reminded me, as I bit into my sourdough loaf again this morning, uh, of what makes Gales quite unique and that you think you know how good a piece of toast is going to taste or how good a croissant is going to be. Mm-hmm. But every time you go back to Gales and try it again, it seems to remind you that it, that it gets even better. What's the secret sauce here? How is this? How can a croissant keep surprising me, I suppose, is my question. Yeah, it's a, it's a good <laughs> question. Well, I think um, it's you know, quite a lot of work to kind of put some really good products together. You know, I think if you do uh, products that we, you know, with good ingredients and, you know, you focus on the product rather than the sale, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's what you need to do. So we're, you know, we've been doing it for about 30 years and we, you know, always are trying to push the boundaries of, uh, you know, how you can make a better baked product. So I guess it's about focus on, you know, on things that you do well and you've done well in the past and then keep on, keep on improving them. Yeah. So you are you from a, a baking family or you what are your kind of earliest bread memories, if that's even a thing? Yeah, bread memory. Yeah. You know, we almost called Gail's <laughs> bread memory. We, you know, no, you didn't. We, really? Yeah, we, we, we were doing the naming exercise. It was quite um, <laughs> we had some really, 
dodgy names and bread memories is one, <laughs> but it wasn't a very good wow. acronym if anybody did the acronym. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, you know, so, but everybody's got a bread memory. I think that our baking memory, I think that's really key to, to what, what Gales is and what we're doing. I mean, it's got really good products behind it, but we're also, it's in a, you know, in a neighborhood trying to do something um, just, just quite well. And I think everybody's got a connection with bread in the past. For me, it was um, my grandma, we call her grandma bread. And we used wow. to go over to her place and she would give us fresh, uh, you know, Pugliese type bread. She was an Italian immigrant. And, you know, I, I just remember putting butter on that and jam and having her cookies. So that was my first memory. I think those, those things stick with you. I always think that, you know, one of the best things about Gales is if, if you can have a family where the, you know, the, the, the first time somebody, go, some child goes and spends money, it's to go run and get a loaf of bread from the corner neighborhood bakery. And that's what I think Gales yeah. should symbolize is that, you know, accessibility and that welcoming and then just kind of a, some kind of innocence there about about yeah. getting something very simple done well. We often hear about entrepreneurs starting things up because they couldn't find what they were looking for. I don't mean in a spiritual sense. Well, maybe I do, well, in fact. But I mean, in your case, the fact that you couldn't find the, the sourdough dough, sorry, sourdough loaf you were looking for. Um, it was that the kind of the, the, the first seed in your head, so to speak. Uh, yeah, that's that's right. I mean, I was um, I'd been in Switzerland before and, and in and France, and I um, and then you came to London, and I asked people, you know, where can you get really good loaf of bread and good croissant, mm. and <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't very frequent. What what was there? It was interesting. Is that um, you know, it was Gail that I ended up bumping into at that point because she had a small yeah. little bakery on Walton Street. And had a bakery downstairs and somebody said, yeah, if you go behind Herod's, there's a street where there's a line and you can line up and you can get some really fresh croissants and, and bread. And so I moseyed over there on, you know, on, uh, on Saturday and sure enough, there was a big line waiting for, you know, fresh, fresh pastries. And it happened to be that four or five years later, I met her and then we started working together. And before that, you were you worked at McKinsey, and I know you worked in finance as well. Were you kind of always in the back of your head on the hunt for, for an entrepreneurial idea, something of your own to kind of take on and grow? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, um, you know, when you get out of university, I think you can kind of go a couple of different ways. I was going to go into the Peace Corps and do some fish farming, uh, but I owed a wow. bit too, money, too much money. And I, so I th- thought I would try something else for a couple of years to put a little bit of, uh, to pay back a little bit of the loans. And yeah. Uh, yeah, as I went through my career, I thought, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to learn in a professional environment, like in the corporate world, but there's, um, but I think the real fun is probably being out on your own, but you just need to find the right opportunity. Had you had any kind of forays into entrepreneurship before any failed businesses in the past? Yeah. I, <laughs> well, nothing serious. I mean, I, I did, uh, I remember when I was in university, I was pretty desperate for, for cash. So I took a, I took yeah. a massage class. And I, um, wow. I, I, I figured I'd sell those services, um, you know, above board, just tried to, you know, t- to take care of stressed <laughs> students. And so I built a small little business, uh, called Mr. Massage. And then I get called over for uh, a half an hour massage. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So nothing to do with, nothing to do with food. Okay. But, um, fine, fine. but yeah, just, you know, I think it's, entrepreneurship is all about like just finding some kind of need. You know, and something yeah. that you'd like to do, uh, and then and then you just execute it. Yeah. So in this case, obviously for you, it was good bread, and you met Gail, as you say, 
um, at her shop. But what was the business like then? And, and when did you start to forge a kind of working relationship together? Yeah, well, um, so so she had a small little shop and then, then that kind of was part of another business. And then the one that I started running with a friend of mine was, uh, there were kind of two craft bakeries just serving chefs, just serving high-end mm-hmm. uh, high chefs in, in London. And we were... We did that for a couple of years and then we decided we would open our own shop because if you, you know, if you're delivering to great chefs and you feel like you've got some of the best products and, you know, on the planet, then you think, okay, well, what's, what's another, you know, should we try to see if people would be interested in having this on, on the high street? So that's what we kind of, what else we decided to do. We brought some chef quality bread to um, a neighborhood that was close to our bakery, um, yeah. you know, uh, in Hampstead. And yeah, we, we, you know, we ended up getting money for the uh, kind of a premium for taking the place because it was the, the rent was a bit high, but so somebody gave it to us with a little bit of money, which we used to kind of put the shelves up. And we spoke about your kind of early, earlier names. Why was it important in the end to put Gail's name above the shop, so to speak? And did that put more pressure on you, I suppose, mm. because suddenly you're playing with someone else's heritage in a way? Yeah, that's true. Um, well, I think we, you know, have you ever done a name finding exercise? I guess you know with, with your kids or something. You you, you find it. Um, mm. th- there's lots lots of things, lots of ways to do it. I think we just wanted to go back to something simple. You know, you, you yeah. kind of think, all right, let's let's do something super original or or funny. And you just think, you know, baking is all about the simplicity. You know, the best yeah. baking is simple. And so I think Gail was the you know, started this the, this whole business and the bakeries and the, the bakers, she put, brought them together. So I think that was our chance to kind of celebrate her. Does it put pressure on me? Sure. I mean, I think, um, I, I feel like that's, you know, I, well, you want to live up to that. And I, and I think that's okay. That's, um, that's you know, you, we're trying to still build businesses based on the same principles of craft and, and you know, and mm-hmm. excellence and, and products. Am I right in thinking that on your first day on the Hampstead site when you opened, the tills weren't working, so you ended up, Giving away most of your bread for free. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, we gave some bread away and we we, were, we definitely had the tills not working. Yeah. You know, I remember I was doing the, the, the windows out the front and it was um, somebody came by and was like, you know, what is this? You know, we don't need a, I think it's a bakery. We don't need another bakery. <laughs> you know, there, there really wasn't much in, in Hampstead at the time. So yeah. really kind of things change. I, mean, I think I was in, so yeah, the first day was, was quite, um, quite, Quite funny because we did, we were we were making we knew how to make stuff we just didn't know how to, we really didn't know how to sell it yeah yeah and were you, were you, was everyone kind of mucking in you were delivering orders I mean yeah. was it very much all hands to the pump yeah sure I mean you know um, the first couple of years I mean you know we you know if we had a big orders we would be at the bakery packing sometimes delivering with people mm. yeah I mean it's on early days of business you just have to kind of do whatever you whatever is necessary. Yeah. And, you know, we had, we knew we had a good product, but how do you get really good, good fresh um, bread and baking to either chefs or to your to your shops? And you know, you're kind of doing new things all the time. So, what what were the kind of challenges early on, apart from the tills? What mm. went wrong to make you think in those kind of I don't know the small hours of the night when you're thinking, Jesus, what have we got into? <laughs> what was keeping you awake? Um, yeah, I mean, I think we what was keeping me awake was probably. Um, basically good baking, you know, in, in a shop, you know, with the oven that we had, which wasn't too big. Right. Mm. And we had, 
you know, and you had such a, you know, Hempstead was so small that we, you know, we weren't sure we could put everything on the table. We had enough move, places to move around. And at the mm. bakery, you know, you have to uh, always be concerned about the, 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 uh, the mother dose. Yeah. You know, and how they're going to get stretched as you kind of grow. So I think there were probably two, you know, one was always the baking. You're always worried about that because that's, that's what's what people are coming for. Um, I'm not always worried about people showing up. Right. And I still yeah. think every shop I open, you still have that night before kind of panic where you think, man, you know, when you open this, will, will, will people come? Yeah. So it's always a relief to show up on opening day and in the morning and seeing, you know, enthusiastic teams and, and some really great products out there. And at what point in those early days did you start to think, okay, this could work? Was it the case of having three sites, five sites? When did you think, right, we're onto something now and we kind of know what we're up to? Oh, man, I don't know if you ever feel comfortable <laughs> with that. <laughs> yeah, because the bar keeps on moving or moving along, you know? Yeah. Um, it definitely, well, you know, but if I tried to answer that question, right, and say, I, you know, I'd have to say, you know, maybe when it got past 10 or yeah. The 12, you know, I think we started feeling like maybe you could do something. The challenge always was people saying, look, can you do a few more and still be as good as you are? And I, and I think that we always said, you know, that's the whole point, you know, is to, to mm. get, you know, if you're going to get bigger, you have to get better and you have to kind of earn that right. And so that's the kind of mentality we have. But we never, you know, I was kind of satisfied at most points that that was okay. We'll just try a little bit more. Yeah. Were there ever times when it was, I don't know, it would have been expedient to cut some corners to, to, to kind of, I don't know, cheapen the product in some way. Were you ever kind of playing with, um, I guess the, the challenges of scale really? Yeah. I think that's just more an attitude than scale. I mean, I th you know, you yeah. should be able to, you know, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to, to buy great ingredients if you're going to do it at, at scale. It's just a choice, right? So, yeah. you know, I got plenty of people trying to get us to change the way we do things. Um, you know, newer, better, faster. You know, I think you, you you need to stay up with the times. You need to to continuously look at innovation, but 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 not. You don't really want to play with things that made you put you where you were, where you where yeah. you are. Yeah, you know? I think that's just a, that's just a discipline. I think more than anything. Do you re have to kind of remind yourself of okay, here's what we do best. Let's not try and do wild things outside of our comfort zone too much. Yes, I mean, I think part of part of a growing business is like, is making sure that you don't go too many different directions. You know, yeah. I think the, the, the pandemic was a good reminder that, you know, you need to, you know, um, you know, we, we are a bakery mostly, mm. and that's what we need to stick to. And that's where it's, um, feels most comfortable. I guess a big moment for you guys came in, in 2011, when Luke Johnson, of course, who, who brought kind of Strada and Pizza Express, the national prominence, he invested, I think, about 10 or so million pounds. Mm -hmm. How did you then plot, the, when you had a kind of a bit of a war chest, how did you plot what was next? How did you decide, here's where we're going to go, we're going to put a Gales here, here and here? How strategic was it, or was it fairly organic, I suppose? Yeah, you don't really have a war chest. You basically, I think when we, we did that, um, you know, Luke, is you know knows London really well and I you know yeah. we had like I think seven eight shops at that point and I didn't you know I think we knew how to make really good product but we didn't really I didn't really know all the neighborhoods what the yeah. corners were what real estate would be so yes I, I guess the it became a process of kind of visit, doing a lot of work on the ground trying to find out mm -hmm. trying to figure out you know what are the neighborhoods uh, to learn a little bit of the about you know retail 
Yeah. Uh, and 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 finding um, and negotiating, uh, you know, rents. These are things yeah. that you know when you come from uh, when you know, you're kind of building a bakery, it's making stuff, and then you have to then you you're looking to kind of make that more accessible and to kind of to find more sites. You need you know you need to have some more expertise around some capabilities. So that's what I think. Uh, you know, Luke brought to the table. Yeah. Because remember we were, that was, um, yeah, I think we got to, like, I guess that was, you know, yeah, seven or eight. And I, I just, I thought that we needed more expertise. And I think that's part of building a business, right? Is build, is bringing in different people with cap- different capabilities. And what ex- to what extent is Gail still involved today? Is she still around the business? No, she's not in the business now, yeah. but she's still, uh, you know, I spoke to her, you know, I went to go see her last June. Yeah. Uh, she's a biodynamic farmer down in Portugal. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and so she's, um, you know, she's having, you know, a good time doing exactly what she wants to be doing at this time of her, of her life. Yeah. And still connected to the business via me and, and, you know, my, my head baker and creative person. Yeah. So, uh, and I'm, I'm, I guess I'm always go back to the naming exercise. I'm, I'm always, you know, feel like I owe her a, um, you know, t- to do a good job. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of a, a, a wonderful and bizarre thing that she is out there in, in presumably rural Portugal. And then back in London, there are all these incredible kind of neighborhood spots with her name above the door. It's kind of wonderful. I yeah. Don't know why. She, yeah. I think she likes that. And I think it's, yeah. um, you know, she's, you know, last time we spoke, she's, you know, quite uh, proud of what we got, we've gotten done. She, she did quite a lot of people that are, worked with her you know they're the they were the beginning of our business yeah and so yeah I, I think continuity that's there's a there's something special about that yeah and I think when somebody starts something they don't necessarily uh, you know um, they, you know they can need to hand it off but we are always still a part of what you've done yeah so let's talk about the product itself then and you mentioned the the original mother loaf that Gail created back in, I suppose it would have been the 1990s. This is quite a hard thing for people to get their head around, especially me. It's kind of your IP in a way. It's your secret Coca-Cola formula, right? Mm, Um, How does it work? I mean, it's a 30-year-old yeast batch. Can you talk us through it? Yeah, so you've got a a mother dough, right? Yeah. And that's been, you know, created 30 years ago. And you 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 take some of the... You basically, that's a culture of like concentrated yeast, right? And yeah. then you, you use, um, use, but you know, say half to a third, you know, to, to be the kind of yeast for the next generation of bread. Then you have to go back and feed the, feed the mother. Wow. So how, how long does a generation last? How, how many loaves in a generation of bread? How many loaves in a generation of bread? Yeah. Well, you, know, you can, well, you can do, you know, depending on the size of your, your mother dough, but you can do, you know, you know, hundreds or a thousand, whatever it is that you want to do. Wow. But you need to grow it, um, you know, you need to grow it slowly. You can't, um, you have to treat it like like nature treats things. And is that what gives one bakery sourdough a slightly different character to another bakery sourdough, so to speak? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, everything, um, I mean, there's lots that goes into it, but I would say, mm. you know, the, the starter is is a really big, important part of, of uh of that but there's you know there's shaping and there's the length of fermentation the hydration that you that you use afterwards yeah um yeah these can these can change things but yeah you know i was i remember when i was in my 
my wife's Italian and we went down to her family's farm down in Southern mm. Italy. And when her great aunt found out that I was, you know, baking, yeah. she went back into this outside uh, oven and, you know, pulled out a bag that had, you know, her, her little mother dough. Yeah. yeah wow. That was, you know, I don't know. She said she was given to it. I mean, we're thinking it's, you know, it could be a hundred years. I mean, you know, who knows? Oh my God. Yeah. So, it, I mean, God forbid, but if there was a fire, for example, at your, at your facility up there and the, the mother dough was corrupted or destroyed or someone stole it, for example, from a rival bakery, what would happen? Would you be all right? Would you survive? Would we still have gales? You'd go and save it first. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 But could you rebuild again? I mean, you, you can, you can, yeah, you can always rebuild. I mean, you're almost basically you're rebuilding every, every day. So we're not in kind of grave threat of losing. No, you should be okay. Up bread. We should be okay. okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah but there's a lot to do with bread now around you know hydration and nutrition that I think mm. is really going to be interesting going forward. One of the things I love really uh, away from the bread about Gales, I suppose, is is the um, environment, the aesthetic, and the kind of design of it, which is so distinct but so clean and, and simple and fresh and kind of inviting from the way there's the bread is stacked up in the windows to the the fact that it's all just out in front of you every single item mm. um the kind of glass cabinets it, it it feels almost i don't know it feels it kind of has the air of a uh, an art gallery in some way that is very clean and precise but also welcoming how much are those conscious decisions that you implemented from the start and how much did those tiny touches like the little wooden label stands and things, do they just kind of evolve over time? Yeah, they evolve over time. I mean, but, but we, uh, we used to have like little things that we used to, pins that we would put in the product. Mm. And, but, you know, I guess the, the idea is to, is to create a theater for the, for the, for the, um, for the products. Right. So I yeah, think, yeah. you know, we kind of walk in with a point of view of what we think the world of baking should look like. And then we try to, then we try to make that, you know, put it on some kind of stage and, and really the, the focus of any shop should be around or any bakery should be around the, the, the products that we're, that we're making. Yeah. You know, and I think if you center everything around, around that, you also, you, your, your people understand what's, what's important. And I think your customers yeah. should understand that. I think that's, that's one of the aesthetics that the beginning that we really felt was important is that a bakery should feel generous, you know, and it should be mm. fresh and it should be out there. And we, you know, we're trying to bridge, you know, Gales is kind of like um, a bridge between the craft world and 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 people, communities. And are you still tweaking the look and feel of it now? Does it evolve every year a little bit? Yeah, sure. But we kind of do it in chunks. So like two years ago, we thought, hey, you know, let's re relook at kind of our, you know, the aesthetic and see how, how we might change it. I think we wanted to kind of pull things together a little bit. Yeah. A little bit more. So the, ba the you know, the new bakery, the 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 uh, bread tends to be behind the table just to make it easy mm. for people to see what you're doing. And, and for, for the, um, I don't know if it's, bo it's not boredom, but it's, it's just kind of learning as you go. Right. So we, we did King's road, for example, we decided, yeah. you know, we're not, we don't need to put that many seats in. It's too small. You know, yeah. let's make it just work the way, way it is. Let's just trust that our food is, is right. And, and um, if we can't fit in seats, you know, we'll have, we'll have to just deal with that. Yeah. But I think staying, staying flexible around what you, the, the design of each shop is important. Yeah. I think thinking about every, everyone and then making some improvements. 
Yeah. Yeah, we did yeah, one in Cobham, which I really liked, which was just you kind of walk in and boom, you kind of you can see it, everything. It's... Yeah, amazing. But the question I really want to ask you, Tom, and this is what's been playing on my mind recently, is about what you would say are the top five all-time Gales items. Um, I can give you mine first if that helps at all, and then we can bounce off it from there. But, it's, it, I mean, it's an intractable problem. There's no right answer. And I'd, you'd almost be put on the spot. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I, 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 should I whistle through mine? Now you're gonna, it's, it's impossible for me to do this. You're just, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> okay, right. well, I'll Go give ahead. you mine and you, can, All you right. can tell me what you think. All yeah. right. Go ahead. I'm a savoury guy and you'll, and you'll spot this. So they, yeah. it's exclusively savoury. And I'd like yeah. to give a shout out outside the top five to the Borokita. Ah, uh, yes. If I'm Good pronouncing one. that right. Tiny yeah. little snack. I mean, it's just perfectly sized. Bit of feta, a bit of olive, sesame seeds, beautiful. But it's yeah. not in the top five. Top five is a lentil and beetroot feta Ooh. salad with the hazelnuts on top. Yeah, that's it one of mine. It feels too. healthy, but it's very, very filling. And it's, I can't get anything like it anywhere else. Yeah. So it's it's brilliant staple. Then coming in number, number four yeah. is the smoked salmon cream cheese bagel, which <laughs> okay. I had for the first time this weekend and uh, wasn't even near the top five. And then right. bang, slot right. straight in. Yeah. Then we had the br- beef brisket roll with the kimchi. Oh, yes. Yep. Very good. Um, then the chicken hand pie. Yeah. With, which I'm a very big fan of. But top top slot, which changed yeah. my life, is the cheese and ham croissant. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. You think you know what a cheese and ham croissant is oh. like, but then you walk into that shop, have that, if it's if you can get it, because that thing goes by 9 a.m. most mornings. Um, <laughs> and it changed, it changed your life. It, during lockdown, that was like my biggest vice and excitement. It was a hot one of those. Um, so I thank you oh, for that. Man. So what do you reckon? That's great. There's no sweet okay. things. There's no sweet things. No, there's no sweet thing. There's not even, no no, no brownie, no muffin, no. No. All right. But I do like the honey, oh. that little honey cake thing is bloody good as well. Yeah, that's. Uh, Another little treat. rose cake. Yeah. Ah, so let's see, what would mine be? Mm. Well, <laughs> you have no breads in there either. What's the matter with that? No, I know. And the sourdough is is exceptionally good. So. But, okay. uh, but it's more like things I could pick up in the shop and leave and eat right there. Leave with, mean? okay. Yeah. All right, that's fine. Yeah, that's, um, <laughs> look, that's important. I mean, we, you know, it's a bakery. We want people to be buying really good bread, but we also want to kind of be, you know, creating things around bread. Yeah. So that's, uh, <laughs> all right, and baking. Hmm, cheese and ham croissant, interesting. Well, okay, so where's where's mine, huh? So uh, I'm also a big fan of lentil and beet, beetroot yeah. salad. Good. But I guess yeah. I'll, you know, can leave that, uh, leave that aside. I'm gonna go with um, uh, well, my number no, number five because I just get it all. You know, I'm, I'm eating it every day. Is is the the, the is the pan au chocolat? I know it's just kind of you know that's good Hold staple. You. Love it. You know, yeah. I think it's um, delicious when warm. And I remember my kids were, you know, that's what they go. That's what they go in for as yeah. well. Um, the, the fourth for me would be, uh, the, uh, chicken Parmesan sandwich. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that's really, you that know, great. that's been a big staple of ours. It's, you know, people, yeah, if I took that off, I think I'd, I'd run into trouble. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have a new, um, well, I won't, I won't do a new product cause it's probably not fair to, <laughs> to, to, to do that. To the listener. Okay. My, my, th- my third was probably the, the, the small, uh, the small salmon, uh, roll. Oh yeah. So a little bit of salmon and that, I think that's great. The coffee. Oh yeah. The poppy seeds on it. Is yeah. that the one? Yeah. God, that's good. Yeah. That's just a great, 
bite, you know, to have in, in the morning. Yeah. And then, uh, gosh, this is hard. <laughs> so I probably would go with, uh, yeah, blueberry muffin. Yeah. Nice. I think that's a star. Have you, do you ever have that? Uh, I do. I do. I share that though. Yeah. If I have it, it's a, Did they send you one. Thing. I hope they sent you one. Uh, not in this batch. So that'll, that'll have to be All right. time. <laughs> All right. And if we're staying away from bread, I guess my number one would be, you know, uh, spinach rolls. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I think I they're great that. pastry. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's what I Genius. have for, okay. for lunch. This is yeah. a hot scoop. This is this will go viral now. We know <laughs> we know the inside line, but they're all good. All right. That's the point. Yeah, they're all good. I mean, I think the bread is what I really think yeah. is. Um, you know, that would be. You know, if I put one A, you know, it'd have to be it'd have to be a San Francisco sourdough taken home. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about sourdough briefly then, because it's become in the last twenty years this kind of symbol of some aspirational middle class way of living, our foodie culture, and everything that's involved in it. Uh, do you think Gales has been, had had a big part to play in in the rise of the sourdough as a kind of cultural item? Well, I would hope so. Yeah, um, I think uh, you, know, you know, I think the the way that it ended up being kind of with all kind of industrialized bread, you know, that was the aberration. I think you know, a sourdough is just a natural yeast. You know, with the fermentation that happens during the process, it should be easier on you know people's stomachs. Should be easier to kind of uh, absorb the nutrients. So I think, um, yeah, I, I hope that we played a part in that because I think that's, that's healthy. Absolutely. O- on a similar note, there's often seemed to be, when I speak to my friends in property, a correlation sometimes between a new gales popping up and house prices, or at least desirability of an area, which obviously you can't necessarily have anything to do with, but it seems like that's the new thing to look for. Forget about prep schools or nice parks. If it's got a if it's got a Gales, people go there. It, there's sometimes a charge put against it that's kind of, I don't know, gentrifying and, and things like that. Do you think that's a fair accusation in some ways? No, I think, well, look, I think um, real estate's gone up everywhere in, in, mm. in, in London the past year. So I think it's it's a fun fact, but it's, I think, um, you know, I, I would always, you know, we, we, I would always think not about it being kind of a, uh, you know, kind of an expensive place or a posh place. Yeah. You know, think of much more as a, you know, that, that was the idea. That was the, some of the, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I read that early in the years when yeah. we first started, but I think there's nothing posh about, you know, good, you know, good food. Mm. And I think that, you know, I, you know, it's, you know, it takes a bit more money to make good, really good food in the right way. You know, and I think that it's, you know, if you look at our customer base or you look at, you know, people come into Gales, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a wide cut of people. Yeah. And I think it should be that way. I think it's, it's about what you choose to spend your money on rather than, you know, something that's, uh, gent, you know, gentrifying a neighborhood. I mean, it, it should be, you know, I, I think in general, people, especially after the pandemic, are really looking for just better, you know, better food. Yeah, absolutely. And so... You know, we should be, I think we've been providing that from day one. If people thought it was inaccessible, we've done everything we can really to make it accessible. I mean, have people approached you ever with the kind of this idea of a, a Gales house price index and tried to suss out where your next plot's going to be so they can buy there? That would be the savvy realtor. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man, that would be a savvy realtor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think we're trying to find, you know, we don't, 
you know, we don't really go to super high rent districts, right? I mean, that's, no. not, that's not our thing. Because you know, we want to put the money not into the landlord, but into, into the food. So mm. I think part of that strategy is basically getting in neighborhoods that are just growing. Mm. Yeah. Right. And, and I, I always think that we want to be, you know, a small part of a, like a diverse neighborhood. Yeah. You know, when you think about food, you, you know, you don't want to have the same thing every day. You want a diverse choice. Right. So our sure. shops tend to be a bit small and I think they can, they should live side by side with everything else that's in your street. So if you think about what's the, the ideal main street to walk to, or, you know, high street to walk to, mm. it would be a place with lots of good things yeah. and we should be, you know, we can be one of those things. Of course. You certainly are. So before you go, I want to ask you about the, the future, I suppose. Last September, I think it was, you closed a kind of new round of investment, fairly sizable with Bain Capital into the, the holding company above Gales. Yeah. What's that going to allow you to do? What, how will that investment kind of help you grow? And, and what's the plan for the future? We're at 74 outlets now, I think. How many more might we go to? Or is it not a case of that? Well, yeah, I think we want to continue to grow because yeah. I think that there's... Um, you know, why wouldn't you want to get you know better better baking better bread out to more people? Um, yeah, of course. And we you know, but I, I you know we talked earlier about bringing in capability and bringing in partners along the way mm-hmm. to to help um, fill in the gaps of what you have. And I think you know part of the evolution is to have uh, partners come in that that can you know help you navigate you know the future. So it's. Um, you know, it helps set you up for you know, your next phase. Because if you, um, you know, I think we were looking at, um, you, know, you know, how could we expand? How should we, you know, where, where should we go? And I think I you know, identified that, you know, you need to have some people that are thinking about the whole value chain. So the whole, you know, people who are, believe in, you know, making and, and selling, right? So vertically integrated uh, system. And so we've, so, you know, Bain understands what we're trying to do and how to grow. And uh, the other partners that uh, is a food ecosystem fund mm-hmm. that's also, you know, been involved with, you know, a number of things. So we're, you know, looked for about two years, three years, you know, to have the right, you know, partner. They kind of understood what we wanted to do and would bring some, some, you know, analytical horsepower and some, some, um, you know, some support yeah, and, and believed in kind of what we were trying to get done. And then finally, you teased us there with the idea that there might be a new product on your list, but are there any kind of brand new, exciting items coming out? What can we look forward to in 2022? What might challenge my top five? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're probably going to do some, some bagels. Okay. Uh, we're doing some now, but we'll do a little bit more of them. Wow. And, We've, you know, we're doing, you know, our waste not range where we're kind of using offcuts of, of yeah. things. We're trying to, we're trying to, uh, you know, continue to kind of develop some of those products. So I think you'll see, we, we have a, you know, the Bobka out now and we should have some more products along that line. Brilliant. Well, we can't wait. Yeah. I'm not sure we're going to do much more savory. So that's oh. what I have to, I'll have to make sure that we've got the few coming. <laughs> I think I've got enough to get, to be getting on with, but, um, All right. Tom, thank you so, so much. You've improved my life in many ways, but this has been a particularly enlightening chat. And yeah, we, we wish you all the luck for the future. Hope to see you soon. And um, at the very least, I'll be eating my chicken hand pies and croissants. All right. Regularly. All right. Well, I appreciate getting your top five. That's great. <laughs> I'm sure it's <laughs> you. Challenge to be to mine. 
Well, if you enjoyed that episode of the Gentleman's Journal podcast, you'll almost certainly love the Gentleman's Journal magazine, the world's finest dispatch from the front line of luxury, entrepreneurship and style. In fact, lucky podcast listeners like you now get 20% off our annual subscription. Just enter the code POD20 at thegentlemansjournal.com to find out more.